Make no mistake about it, partnership is God's design. You were not created to be effective in this world all by yourself. You need partnership. Say it, partnership. partnership. Nothing in this world can be fruitful by itself, whether it's the botanical world and the bees and the cross-pollinization that allows the flowers to bloom and to be productive, or whether it's the animal kingdom, whether it's insects or even the fish of the sea. Partnership yields fruitfulness. I'll say it again. Partnership yields fruitfulness. You are the result of your mama and daddy partnering together. Everything else may not have worked out okay, but you got here and you look good this morning. Why are you here? Because there was partnership. Whether it's a company, a family, or a ministry, you need partners. Jesus, our consummate example, the first thing he did when he began his earthly ministry is he picked out 12 partners. In verse 1 and 2 of the context, it reads, It was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of the Lord that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake. That means they had just been taken out of the water. He saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing and repairing their nets. First point from the context that I want to give you, point number one, your downtime is your prep time. Everybody in a down season, things have taken a downturn. You've gone through a downturn financially. You've gone through a downturn in your family or in your relationships. Listen to the preacher. Your downtime is your prep time. I want to make sure you got it. Help me preach it. Look at your neighbor and say, your downtime is your prep time. <laughs> Jesus walks up on a group of fishermen that had worked hard all night and caught nothing. They tried. They tried hard, and they failed. But when Jesus walks up, notice what he sees. He sees a bunch of men who had failed working on their nets, washing them and repairing them. In other words, immediately after failing, they were preparing for the next catch. Massive failure usually goes before massive success. When you've tried hard and failed, you have two options. Go into sadness, depression, and isolation because of your losses, or you use your downtime as your prep time. Those of you who have gone through losses, imagine how frustrated the enemy would be if after every loss you encountered, you used your downtime as your prep time. What if you begin to view your failures as a setup, giving you an opportunity to come back stronger and be better prepared for the blessing that God had coming in your life? And those of you that have failed, you need to learn to stop cursing it. Failure is a part of the training process. You cannot learn to walk without falling. But each time you fall, you get up better prepared to take the next step. And I'm preaching this this morning because someone in this room is getting ready to take the next step. You've been falling and failing and failing and falling, but God has brought you to a place that you've been trained enough through your failures that you're ready to take the next step. When Jesus found them, they were washing, repairing, mending their nets. Now, a net is nothing more than a series of strings tied together in a crucial place. And the integrity of the net is no greater than the individual ties. In the process of throwing that net out all night and catching nothing, the net was damaged in failure. It's one thing to be damaged in success. You can kind of brush that off and get over it. It's another thing to be damaged in failure. When you're damaged in failure, it adds insult to your injury. And when Jesus walks up, they didn't, they didn't get off the boat and go get them something to eat and get a nap, refresh themselves. No, they went to immediately start repairing and mending and washing their broken nets. Sometimes failure is a gift because you can't throw the net out and repair it at the same time. You can't fix it and use it at the same time. 
Sometimes God brings you into a down season to give you the opportunity to fix the holes in your net so that the next time you throw it out, it won't be broken. Some of you don't realize it, but things have slowed down and it's a gift to you. Things have quieted down and it's a gift to you. Some of the opportunities are slowing down. The phone's not ringing as much. It is a gift to you. Your downtime is your prep time and you're coming into a season of repair. There will be a time to launch out again, but you need to get the net fixed. And while you're fixing that net, make sure you are precise with it because the next time you throw that thing out, Oh, I said the next time you throw that thing out, you might have been broken last season, but the next time you throw that thing out, you're going to catch more than you think you are. God gave Moses 40 years of downtime in the desert and then used him to part the Red Sea. God gave David 15 years of downtime on the backside of the desert, defending his father's sheep from uh, lions and bears and then used him to bring down a giant. God gave Jesus 40 days of downtime in the wilderness where he defeated the power of the enemy. Your downtime is a gift from God and what God's going to do with you on the other side of the downtime it's going to blow your mind and blow everyone else's mind around you. God did not bring you this far to leave you down. He's going to take you back up again. God did not bring you through what he brought you through and heal you and deliver you and save you just to cast you off to the side. If you're in a down season, use it to get ready, get ready, get ready because the next is going to be greater than before. Push somebody say, your down time's your prep time. To the people in the room that hate the season that they are in. I don't want to blow your cover. But for those of you that are just sick of your life. Sick of the same old, same old. Sick of what granddaddy called the rigmarole. Sick of the same landscape, the same responsibilities every single day, nothing new happening. To those of you that are sick of it, listen to me. It's just preparation. Don't die in the preparation stage. Don't quit in the preparation stage. I promise you it will not always be like this. What you are going through is just Preparation. Jesus comes up and they're, they're fixing their nets. Verse 3, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Point number two, giving after failure is a sign of a liberal soul. Liberal, what's that mean? Generous. Giving during a down season is a sign of a liberal soul. Peter, he's not fishing for fun, you understand. This is his business. It's how he makes his money. He and his staff had been on an all-night fishing expedition trying to make some money. In order to go on a trip like that, you have to prepare the whole day before. So they worked all day preparing, went out all night fishing, just got back in the morning. They're washing and cleaning their nets. They're exhausted. They're tired. They're frustrated by their losses. All they want to do is go home, get something to eat, and get in the bed. And Jesus comes up to an exhausted man, and he asks for time and energy and a boat from somebody who's in a losing season. Can God trust you to give to him during losing seasons? Because you know the human inclination when we go through losses, we tighten up. Peter said, it's amazing. Peter said, sure. Sure, you can use my boat. And he didn't say it because he thought there was some kind of supernatural return coming. 
Because Jesus didn't say, if you'll let me preach, I'll take you fishing. Jesus said, will you let me preach? Will you let me use your boat? Will you take the boat you just got back on land, back out under the water and row out, let me preach, wait through the sermon, and then finish doing everything you're doing? And Peter said, sure. And he said, sure, not because he was fishing for a blessing. He said, sure, because he had a generous, liberal soul. Proverbs 11.25 says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. I like that verse. It says it in the New King James, a generous soul will be made rich. I like the other one, though. The liberal soul will be made fat. I don't want my body to be fat, but I want my soul to be fat. I want to be fat on the inside. I want to have roll after roll after roll. I want to have excess on the inside. You ever known somebody that had a small inside? Small thinking, small believing, small capacity, small charity that they would do for somebody. I don't want to be like that. I want to have a big old robust soul. And the Bible says if you're like that, you just keep getting fatter and fatter, richer and richer, better and better. Peter has a liberal soul. And I think it's interesting. Jesus comes to Peter and asks for Peter's boat, Peter's business, Peter's boat, Peter's business. And, and Jesus said, I, I want to use your boat, your business, to stand on top of and, and to preach on it. And the thing about Peter's boat, his business, is right now it wasn't working. And Jesus invited Peter to let him stand on what wasn't working and preach the word. This is a side note, it's free. If you got something in your life that's not working, put the word on it. Put the word in it and watch the word turn that thing around. So Jesus preaches on the boat and then verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This is the reciprocity of God. A lot of times when people teach on giving, they do it gimmicky, you know? You'll bring $1,000, and in 30 days, God's going to do this, this, this. Or come get this green prayer handkerchief and put it on your wallet, and $10,000 will appear. No, 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 no. You don't have to be gimmicky when talking about giving. Reciprocity is a part of God's nature, meaning you cannot give to God and him not give something back to you. It is the simple law of his being. In fact, it's not theology. It's not even scripture. You don't, ha you don't have to have any of that. Just the nature of God himself. If you give something to him, he's going to instantly turn around and give something back to you. It's who he is. It's part of his essence. So Jesus said, you let me use your boat. You waited all through this sermon, you were so kind to me. I tell you what I'm going to do for you. Go out into the deep now and let down your nets. And I'm going to give you a miracle catch. Point number three. The miracle is coming through the same tools you already have. Oh, I want you to sit on that and just chew it. The miracle is coming through the same tools you already have. Notice Jesus didn't tell Peter to go get another boat. He didn't tell him to go get another net. He said, I'm going to take the same boat that you failed with. Oh, yeah. And the same nets that didn't work last night. And I'm going to take the same tools you've been working with before. And I'm going to bring a miracle through the thing you already have. Walking with God will teach you to leverage what you already have to get what you need. I'm going to say it again because I like the way it sounded. Walking with God will teach you to leverage what you already have in order to get what you need. God will always use something you do have to give you something that you don't. Peter, you don't have no fish, but you do have a boat. And since you let me use what you did have to preach the word, I'm going to work a miracle with what you do not have, and I'm going to bring it into your life. Everything you already have, listen to me, everything you already have 
will be the tools God uses to bring his favor and his blessing into your life. But we don't understand this because many times God answers prayer in the form of ingredients. I'm going to say it again. Many times God answers prayer in the form of ingredients. You prayed and you asked for a cake. And you've been walking around looking for something with icing on it. And you said, God, you have not answered my prayer. And God's answer looked like eggs, flour, butter, milk, oil. He gave you the ingredients. I said, he gave you the ingredients. I said, he gave you the ingredients. But you're looking for a finished product from a God who loves process. I said, you're looking for a finished product from a God who loves process. You prayed and you asked for an oak tree and he gave you an acorn. And you're looking up at heaven with what he sent you saying, I asked you for an oak tree. And he's saying, it's in there. And that's what I want to say to you. It's in there. I don't know what you've been praying for, but it's in there. It's inside something you already have. You don't need a new boat. You don't need a new net. You don't need a new location. It is somewhere inside what you already What you need, say it, what I need is in something I already have. Put Mark eleven twenty four on the screen. What I need is in something I already have. Now, with that understanding, read this. Therefore, I say to you, Jesus teaching here, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them. Put it up in the old King James. They didn't get it with that one. Put it up in the old King James. Therefore I say to you, what things soever ye desire. In other words, what do you want? When you pray, what do you want? What are you praying for? You'd be shocked at the amount of people in this room that if they were asked that question and the mic put it in their face, they would say, I don't know. What do you want? Get it in your mind. What do you want? What do you want God to do? If God happened to be in a prayer answering mood this morning and asked you what you wanted, what do you want? Now, I'm not talking about stupid genie stuff and three wishes. I'm talking about in your life, what's the desire? What's the deep places of your heart longing for? What do you desire? Well, what Jesus said. When you pray, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believe I have received what? All of the ingredients that I already have will become the thing I'm desiring and praying for because God will always use what I already have to work his miracle power in my life. That's why Jesus would not break the bread and multiply the fish until he lifted them up to the Father and he gave thanks for it. He's got 5,000 men, not counting women and children, a minimum of 15,000 people to feed, and they brought him five loaves and two fish. If they would have brought you that, facing a need like that, you would have looked up to heaven and said, what in the hell are you thinking? Sending me this kind of provision for this kind of need. Jesus didn't do that. 
because he understood the miracles of God always take place inside what you already have. So he took what he did have, even though it wasn't enough to meet the need. He took what he did have and he lifted it up to the Father and he said, before I do anything else, I want to stop and thank you for what you did give me. It's not enough right now, but I thank you for what I do have in my hand. And you're not qualified to be multiplied until you can look at what you do have and give thanks for it, even in the face of crippling need. When was the last time you lifted up your hands, threw your head back, and gave God a shout of thanks for what he did give you? I said for what he did give you. You may not have everything you want, but you do have something. I said you do have something. And the next miracle's going to come through what you already have in your hand. So Jesus, he tells Peter, I want to, I want to do something for you. You, you, you sowed into me. You bless the kingdom. You let me use your business to preach with. I want to do something for you. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. You're going to have a catch. And Peter, he'd been to church before. He knows what faith talk sounds like. You know, he knows what positive talk Sounds like. And when you've been disappointed time after time after time, cast after cast after cast, it's hard to get your faith up when you hear somebody say, just try it. Peter's thinking, all I really want to do is get back to that dock, get this boat I let you use back out of the water, finish cleaning my nets, and go home. That's what I'd like to do. I've been, I've been fishing all night. Next verse. But Simon answered, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. But I respect you. I believe what you were saying on the boat. I, I, I love the ministry. I honor the ministry. Okay. I, I, I believe in God and I believe you're a prophet. And um, I tell you what, at your word, because you asked me to, I'm going to let down the net. Now he's got faith and doubt working in him at the same time. Because go back to verse four. Jesus said, go back to verse four. Launch out into the deep and let down your for a catch. Peter said, verse 5, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down. I'm going to do as little as possible to appease Jesus because I've been out here. I fished all night. I caught nothing. I threw that net out 247 times and brought it up empty. And I know, because I'm a fisherman, I know that throwing it down in the same spot one more time is not going to make a difference. And I appreciate your preaching. And I appreciate your word. And I'll give into the kingdom of God. But this is my business. This is how I feed my family. This is how I survive. This is the practical world. And if you seriously want me to take my boat with my energy, with all my time, with all my equipment, and let down another net, you must be out of your mind. But! At your word. I ain't letting down all of them, but. I let down one. Point number four. Past patterns are not predictions of future opportunities. Past 
patterns are not predictions of future opportunities. Just because you've been toiling all night doesn't mean it won't work in the morning. Peter's experience has become an enemy to him. What he thinks he knows is getting in the way of him having faith and believing God for what God wants to do in his life. Sometimes you can know too much to be effective. Because you got all the facts and figures and charts and trends, but you're working with the natural. God's working with the super. Pastor Sean, I was reading an article about Kathy Hughes. You know, Kathy Hughes, Radio One, uh, massive business. And it's, it's splintered off into other stuff, and she still owns it all. And she went, I want you to think about this. She went to 34 banks applying for a business loan, and 34 banks told her no. And before I could go on reading the article, I had to stop with that. That amazed me. 34? When me and Katie were first trying to get our house, we heard three no's, and we said, we're just going to wait on God. We're just going to wait. Ain't no way. It ain't time yet. It just ain't time yet. We're so frustrated. Three no's. 34 no's? I thought to myself, how do you muster up the faith? to go in and ask the same question and put down the same financial documents and put down the same business plan and hear them look back at you and say, no, 34 times. But she knew that past patterns were not predictions of future opportunities. So she went to number 35 and got her business loan and blew up. It hasn't worked in the past. That's no guarantee that it won't work in the future. She said, I had the same feeling every time I walked in. She said, I feel like my yes is coming. And I said to myself, I'd have lost that feeling around number five. She said she walked into number 10, number 15, number 20, number 30. I have a feeling that my yes is coming. She didn't get it till 35. But when you have faith in God and you believe in the gifts that he put in you and you believe in what you already have, you can be like Kathy and walk up to opportunities and say, I feel like my yes is coming. I don't know who that's for in the room, but I feel like your yes is coming. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like your yes is coming. I don't know how many no's you got. I don't know how many times you've been denied, but I just feel like your yes is coming. Past patterns are no prediction of future opportunities. Peter's past experience said, uh, I'm going to let down a net. And what he didn't know is God was planning a ridiculous blessing. Listen. That made no sense to his experience. The commentaries say, that this one catch was a year's worth of fish for a professional fisherman, a year's worth of fish in one cast. An impossible blessing. A blessing that could only come from God. Peter's trying to figure out in his rationale how God's going to work a miracle. And miracles and rationale never go together. You can never make sense of it. Miracles are things that are God doing God stuff that only God can do. He didn't know what was coming to him. So he talked himself out of it with his experience and said, I'm just going to let down a net. Now, Here's the problem with a frenzy of blessing. 
I'm not talking about you got a check for $500 in the mail. I'm not talking about God got you approved for the house or got you a new job. I'm talking about an overwhelming flood of blessing. And it still happens. A flood of blessing will expose your liabilities. Let me work you for a minute. We all got liabilities. We all got weaknesses and brokenness in our lives. And that flood of blessing started exposing Peter's lack of faith. Because the Bible said two things happened. The net started to break and the boat started to sink. Peter's about to lose a year's worth, a year's salary. Folks, let me make sure you understand what I'm talking about. We're talking about money. He ain't fishing for fun, you know. This is his business. He makes money by catching the fish and then selling them. So he's about to lose a year's wages. How would you feel if you lost all the money you made this year? He's about to lose a year's worth of income. Why is he about to lose it? Because he didn't obey God. Jesus said, let down those nets. Peter said, I'm tired. I don't fully believe this. I'm going to let down one net to appease you. Now, if he had let down all the nets from the boat, the weight of the fish would have been evenly distributed across the four locations of the boat. And the buoyancy of the boat in the water would have balanced the weight of the blessing. But because he had liabilities and weaknesses in his character, now his net is breaking and his boat is sinking because he had liabilities. And you do too. If God were to really bless you, I wonder, could you handle it? And this is where Peter discovered what we started our conversation talking about. The power of a partner. Partners secure you against your liabilities. And we all have them. It's why we all need them. We all have liabilities, so we all need partners. Peter's net is breaking, and his boat is about to sink. And verse number seven said he signaled to his partners. He, he signaled to his partners. Now notice this. He's about to lose a year's worth of blessing, and it ain't Jesus' fault. It ain't the Holy Ghost's fault. It ain't the anointing's fault. The anointing has done all it was meant to do. It brought the blessing right to his boat in his net. It's his own stupid fault he didn't let down enough. It's his own stupid fault he didn't obey God. Some of the blessings that you squandered, it wasn't God's fault. It was your fault because your net was broken, your boat wasn't prepared, and you didn't have people on the standby ready to help you. But in your downtime, you're going to do your prep time and be much better prepared for it next time. But... But Peter's about to lose it, so he signals to his partners. Everybody say partners. partners. Say it again, partners. partners. Number five. Partners. Number five. Partners have the ability to share the load, not add to it. Now, we could shout and dance and run and do a lot of things in this service, but instead I want you to think. I want you to think about your circle. I want you to think about the top 10 numbers your cell phone calls. I want you to think about the people you spend time with. Who qualify to be partners? And who qualify to be parasites? Partners give blood, parasites suck blood. Partners add to, parasites take from. Is your circle filled with partners? Or is your circle filled with parasites? You trying to go to the next level and all you got around you is a bunch of parasites? You ain't never going to do it. 
Listen to me. People will drag you all the way down. Isn't it amazing how you can be having a great day and get around that one person in your circle and all of a sudden it's terrible? No good news is good enough. Nothing happening good is exciting. Everything's a downer. Everything's depressing. Oh, you're not clapping because you're sitting by them. I'm talking about partners. Somebody that's got the ability to add something to your life, not take away. A couple of points about partners. Partners have their own boat. If you're the only one in the circle that's got a boat, then you're going to be giving everyone else a ride. You're going to be towing everyone else's nets. You're going to be doing everything for everybody else in the circle, and there will be nothing left for you. If you're the only one in the circle that's got any money, y'all didn't like that one. If you're the only one in the circle that has any resources or that has anything to add, then you're going to be the one that's constantly depleted by the have-nots in your circle. You need to get a circle with people that either have as much or preferably more than you do. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you got the most money in the room, you're in the wrong room. If it's always what you can do and never what they can do for you, I don't know about you, I'm tired of seeing people taken advantage of by other people, whether they be family members, whether they be lovers, whether they be booty call, whatever they are. I'm tired of seeing God's people taken advantage by other people. And sometimes the solution is as simple as getting up and getting a new circle of people around you. Partners have their own boat. In other words, they don't need yours. Relationships can't be productive when they are based around need. I didn't mean to go that deep this morning. If the only reason we interact is based off of need, then when you no longer need me, you no longer love me. So it wasn't real to begin with. It was based on hunger. So when you're full, you ain't got no use for me. Partners got their own boat. I love you, but I don't need you. You know, people get so offended at me when I say that to them. I've, I've heard so many people, Pastor Sides really hurt me. He told me that he didn't need me. And they leave out the part that before I said I didn't need I said, I love you. All that means is I can do what I'm going to do, whether you help me or not. So I'm not kissing up to you because I need something. If I come and hug you, my hug is legitimate because the truth of the matter is I don't need one single thing you have got. So when I say I love you, you know what it means? I really do love you. In other words, my love is not tied to your performance. If you perform, I'm going to love you. If you sit home and don't perform, I'm still going to love you. But what you can't do is manipulate me by the relationship. Because I'm going to be Jason's sides in the morning whether you are with me or not. In other words, I got my own boat. You need to get your own boat. And then you need to get around a whole bunch of people. Why am I teaching this? 
because I believe business owners are going to start exploding out of this church. I believe political officials are going to start rising and exploding in this church. I believe this is a church with the seeds of champions all over it. I believe the next innovators and inventors, I believe the next music industry pioneers are going to come out of San Antonio, Texas at 6633 Walsham Road. I believe best-selling authors are in this church. I believe best-selling musicians are in this church. But you got to think like a champion to live like one. And if you're going to fly high, you got to cut off some dead weight. You got to search through your life, identify the parasites. And then just take, take like a sidestep from them. I love watching Lee do that dance that y'all do on Family and Friends Day. They, they go forward, you go back, and then you do this sidestep. I don't know what it is, but the cha-cha slide. Yeah, yeah, I love watching Lee do it because Lee's got this thing. You don't, really, you don't really think it. You don't really notice it. But when he does that slide, it's like he moves 10 feet. He can be in one position. The next time you see him, he's over there 10 feet. You need to cha-cha slide yourself away from the parasites in your circle and get around some people that got something going because you're going to the next level in God. You're being raised. You're being promoted. You're being blessed. A frenzy of blessing is coming. A frenzy of strength is coming. Power from heaven is going to elevate your life. And when you do, you're going to need some partners. Give him praise if you believe it. I said give him praise if you believe it. Yeah. Open your mouth and give him praise. If you believe it! So, in summary, I'm closing. You can remain standing. In summary, your downtime. Every time you lose, it's just an opportunity to go in the woodshed and do more prep. Your downtime is your prep time. I mean, if you're broken and hurting today, wipe your tears and start mending your nets. Whatever your mechanism is for catching, whatever you do, that when you do it like you do it, you make it happen. Start mending that thing. You're going to have a hard time catching all God has coming towards you if your net's broken. And then, understand, miracles don't come from what you don't have. They always start with something that you do have. Saul said, David, I want you to go, I want you to go out there with this armor, this sword, and this shield that I have. David said, can't use what you got. I'm going to take this little rag and a rock that I have. I'm going to take what he's already put in my hand. And I just believe God's going to give me a miracle. When Elijah went up to the woman who was making her last little bit of food that was in a famine, she said, I'm going to make this little cake for me and my son, and we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die because we don't have no more food. He said, what do you have left? She said, I have a handful of meal and a little bit of oil. Elijah said, I can work with that because God's going to take what you do have and he's going to multiply it to give you more than enough concerning your need. When the widow of the prophet came to the man of God, said, they're taking all my stuff. The creditors have come. We're in so much debt. I don't have the money to pay. They're going to arrest my sons and make them go to work in slavery to work off the debt. He said, what do you have in the house? She said, I don't have nothing. They repossessed everything. The only thing I have left is a little bit of oil. He said, take that. God's going to use what you already have. He said, go borrow vessels and pour that little bit of oil that you have out. And you'll find that as long as you have vessels to pour in, God's going to make that oil last. 
next. God's going to use what you have and work a miracle with it. Samson is standing in a valley facing a thousand Philistines. They're all heavily armed. He has no sword. He has no spear. He looks down. All that's at his feet is the decaying jawbone of a donkey. And he picks up what God did provide. The question is never about what you don't have. The question is, what did God provide? He picks up what he did have. And the Bible said he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. I'm telling you, God's principle is you can always take less and do more with it. If you use what you've got in your hand, lift up your hands. Your hands are powerful. Your hands are gifted. Your hands are anointed. Your hands are special. God doesn't make any mistakes. He put gifts in you. He put talents in you. He put you in an environment of blessing. He puts you in a place where you know some people. He puts you in a place where you can connect with some people. And I want to tell you one of the next blessings that's coming your way. God is about to enrich your circle. God's about to put some good people in your life. Some good people in your path. God's going to take you through a purging and purge the parasites away so that you can be in a circle that you can both give to and receive from, that you can be in a circle that can help you carry the load of your life. The last, the last part of the text that I, that I forgot before I put my notes away, verse 7 says, they signaled to their partners. They signaled to their partners. And this bothered me because, I, number one, I don't believe that they flashed up a hand sign or sent up a smoke signal. I believe the signal was their partners saw the boat sinking. Who's in your life right now that knows how to read your signals? Who's in your life right now that can look and say, uh-oh, I think that boat's sinking. And it's not enough to recognize it. Who's in your life that can recognize it and also has a boat of their own to come pull you out? God's about to send you some right people. I prophesy that over your life in the name of Jesus Christ. God is about to send you the right people. Sometimes the blessing of the Lord is promotion. Sometimes the blessing of the Lord is money. Sometimes the blessing of the Lord is houses and land. Sometimes the blessing of the Lord is people. The right people. Strategically positioned in your life to help you manage the load. Listen, I want you to think about it. Who can help you carry the load you deal with every day? Who in your current circle has the capacity to help you carry the load? In fact, who in your circle do you trust enough to even share the load with them? Sometimes it's not that I don't want help. I just don't trust you enough to ask you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's like one of my real love languages is asking someone to help me with something. Because truth of the matter is I'd rather do it myself. If I ask for help from you, it means I, can th I think you can do it as good or better than me. But that's a problem for a lot of us. A lot of us have learned from our pain to isolate ourselves, to insulate ourselves, and to stay separate. But for this next level that God is going to take you to, you're going to have to have partners. And in order for you to be willing to open up enough to receive partners, they're going to have to be great people. May the anointing of great relationships come upon your life in the name of Jesus. May the anointing of great relationships, great relationships, great relationships come upon your life in the name of Jesus. Listen, listen, over the next seven, eight months, some of you are really going somewhere in your life, in your professional life, in your family, in some things that you're dreaming, some things that you're building, some things that you're getting ready to release. I'm speaking prophetically now. Next seven, eight months are big for you. You need a relationship that's just that, a ship. 
It's supposed to carry you somewhere. It's supposed to float you somewhere. It's supposed to ship you somewhere. God is going to give you the blessing of true relationships. You don't need friends to sit around and gossip with and do silly stuff with. That's mess you do when you're young. When you decide to mature and go forward and take everything God has for you, you need friends to go look at property with. Property you can't afford. Property that's way out of your price range. You need a friend to take you there. Get in the ship with you and just go all around that property. You need friends to talk to you about investments. How can we make investments? How can we make more money, a 10% return, a 15% return? What can we do? How can we set up future planning for generations and life insurance and retirement? You need somebody to talk to you about something other than what was on TV last night. Relation. That's what you need in your love life. It starts out all puppy love, gooey, gooey, ga, 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 staying on the phone all night, not saying nothing, listening to each other breathe. But it should mature to the point that you're making money moves. You're making wise decisions. You're starting businesses. You're changing your community. And you're doing it together in the name of your love. That's what it should morph into. But it's the, it's the quality of the ships. A lot of times our dreams have been held down and held back because of the quality of our ships. We've been trying to go to great places on broken down, busted and disgusted ships that are leaking. You need to get you somebody that's got a healthy ship and get in relationship with a healthy ship. It will take you somewhere. I speak the blessing of the Lord over your life in the name of Jesus. I call you blessed. I call you prosperous. I call you anointed. I call you winners. I call you champions. Don't be afraid to launch out into that thing. God's with you. If he gave you the word to launch out into the deep, launch out into the deep. If you have to go tired, go tired. If you have to go broken, go broken. The blessing of the Lord will come upon your life in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity. Some of you saw in the text, you saw Peter sow into Jesus preaching the word. I want to give you an opportunity to sow into the word being preached. You already gave your tithe. That's the commanded portion, the portion that we dedicate to God. Offering is something that you don't have to give, but you give because you want to, just to bless the Lord. If I said something today that sparks something in you and you want to believe God for increase, you want to believe God for the kind of supernatural catch that brings a frenzy of blessing in, that you need partners to help you accommodate, get you a seed, get you a seed in your hand. I'm not gonna tell you what to give. Paul said that if we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. Proverbs says the generous, liberal soul will be made fat. For some of you, it's been a long time, not, not all of you, but for some of you, it's been a long time since you gave God a generous offering. Something generous just from you to God that you didn't have to give. And I want to challenge you to do that today. I believe God will bless you for it if you do it. And some of you, you may be like, Peter, I've been to church before. I heard all that before. I heard about giving a seed and receiving a blessing. And, and I'm just going to take out $2 and let down one net. But I, I, I want you to try faith. I want you to try God. I want you to try this word and see if it won't produce for you a supernatural catch in your life. So whatever you're giving, if you're not giving nothing but a raised hand and a praise up to God, whatever you're giving, as soon as you have it, I want you to stand up on your feet. Father, may you bless the people as they give into your word. And may you rain down a frenzy of opportunity, a frenzy of blessing, a frenzy of connections, a frenzy of relationships on their life as they support the preaching of the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God praise, Christian world. You can come and bring your offering. I love you so much. Thank you online for joining us. We will see you Wednesday night.